0: The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Mr. Andy is here. Awesome. Those are some great things. All right, we're gonna try this thing out where you stand all service. How awesome is this gonna be? Brandon's gonna try to do it. He's like, I'm ex-military. I'm in. I'll do. It. I'll get it done. All right. Well, that lasted a long time. Kyle, you were the last one standing. You win the prize back there. I don't know what the prize is besides the glory, but you can have the glory. Uh, this is gonna be exciting. This is Palm Sunday. We're gonna get into uh, just a little bit of history on Palm Sunday and just kind of the significance of it uh, before we head into Easter. And you know just being a part of this church let me just say this where I love being a part of this church I love being a part of this church I might be the pastor but I can still love being a part of the church and uh, I was actually followed this is a funny story but I was followed to church this last week and um, I realized I was being followed like a good oh I don't know probably 30 minutes before I got here and I was taking all back roads and this car kept following me all the way and at first I thought it was a cop like that's why I noticed I'm not like stealth military guy, like watching my back, you know, my six all the time. But I was driving and I am kind of cop cautious because I've been pulled over a few times. When I was in the passenger seat, my wife was in the driver's seat, but I have been pulled over. So I know how it goes. So we're driving and this person's following me. And so I purposely kind of getting over and going slow, like doing things to like get them to move around me or do things. And no, followed me all the way. So I get out here in the dark, it's late at night. I get out here and uh, the back of my, uh, the van's open. And I've got the, cof- the new coffee bar. It's pretty cool out there. The new coffee bar out there is in the back of it, and I'm driving. And so I just drive past Indian Meadows, past the Church Street, and I'm like, I'm just going to see and turn into this school area up here and see if they turn into the school with me. So at least I know, like, what's going on. Like, before I get out of this car, I want to know if I'm pulling out my old, you know, ninja jiu-jitsu stuff that I used to be able to <laughs> pretend to do when I was a kid. And I'm looking at it, so I pull up, and as I go past Indian Meadows, they turn right, and they go down Indian Meadows towards the church. And I'm like, they're one step ahead of me. (laughs) This is like playing chess with Kyle. They're a step ahead. They're going to get me. So I turn the corner, go up, do a loop, come back, and I pull down Indian Meadows, and I look, and there's a car, that car, pulling into the church parking lot. It turns itself around and backs in so that its headlights are pointing at the entrance. And I'm like, this is going to be real. Like, I'm about to make the news, whatever's happening right now. I don't know. So I pulled a little bit past them and into the entrance by jails to jobs. And I turned so my lights are shining on them. See, why not? (laughs) And I get out of the car, and Justin Kaczynski's there working on a car late at night. Best mechanic, by the way. If he he need a job, there he is. Uh, We use him a lot. Praise (laughs) God. And I look, and he gets out of the car, and he's like, what's up? And I look over at that car, and all of a sudden, out of that car jumps Kim Sanders <laughs> from the church. And I'm like, hi. And she's like, did you miss your turn? I go, I, I guess I missed my turn. And she's like, well, she had been telling me about this new energy drink. And she's like, was leaving community group. This is what happens when you go to community group. Weird relationships happen. She gets, she looks, she goes, and there was a, an extra one in my car rolling around. And then I saw your thing was hanging out the back of your van. So I decided to follow you to make sure that nothing fell out and to give you this drink. And I'm like, oh, thank God. I thought I was gonna have to hurt somebody today or somebody was gonna hurt me. And so that, that's the end of the story, except for I walk in, it's late at night, all the lights are off, and I walk into the area afterwards where we're all gonna hang out and have fun over there in the chapel, so don't leave after church. I walk over there, I get some stuff, I walk back, and I'm walking past the bathroom hallway. It's dark, the outside lights are just barely shining in. Very ominous feeling in there after the last experience. And I walk down the hallway and I look to my right, and there's this big dude in the shadows just staring at me like, The building's been locked. I look over, and I'm like, and Justin Kaczynski starts laughing, and he's like, gotcha. And I'm like, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Wow. So we have a great church. Lots of, lots of great people here. That's right. It's, it's, so, it's so fun that we got fun people and people that love God, love God. You know, as we say, love God, love people, live like we mean it. Love is just enjoying life together, right? We do that really well, and that's because you guys are awesome. Uh, we're going to jump in Palm Sunday. It's turned to Luke chapter 19, if you have your Bible with you. And I'm going to make sure that I'm in the right one. Here we go, Luke 19. I'm going to read the story first, and then we'll talk about the story. And I, I might stop a little bit in between, but that's kind of what we're going to do uh, is just read it and kind of go through it. But a little bit of the history, if you don't know, uh, Jesus came, and originally the people really that he's coming to were the Jewish people, the people of Israel. These are people that God had called out of the world to show himself to, to reveal himself to, and then through them to reveal himself to the world. But he started off with a small group of people that he was expressing who he was to, having them get to know him. Well, they were constantly looking for an outside king. God had presented himself as God to them, this invisible God that you can pray to. He's there, he's with you, he's ever-present, he's all-powerful, he's all these things. But they they wanted a leader that they could see. And so in the Old Testament, they get into this thing with God where they're demanding a king, and so he finally relents and says, you know what, you guys want a king, a physical leader, I will give you one. And so he gave them a king. And then all throughout the rest of their history, they keep waiting for the king that's going to solve all their problems, bring peace and prosperity, and make life amazing. And so one king comes, and all these troubles happen because people tend to make mistakes or get corrupt, and all these problems happen. So the next king comes, and then the next one, and the next one. And they're going through generations and generations and generations of this, waiting for the king that's going to establish this amazing kingdom forever. And that is the kind of the setting that Jesus comes into. When people heard that Jesus was here, that Jesus was coming, and they began to see the works he was doing, in their mind, they were not thinking that he was a physical form of the God that was already there. They thought they were getting a new king, somebody that could come and rule the world and make their life better. And so that's the setting. The setting is that the people were looking for that. And then along comes Jesus. He's doing these miracles. And just before Palm Sunday, it's just a few days before Palm Sunday, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. So they have seen Jesus raise a dead person to life. And now Palm Sunday comes. And so let's read that. It says, after Jesus had said this, this is he's leaving an area that he was doing some preaching in. He went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached of Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples saying to them Go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there And it says no one has ever ridden it Untie it bring it here and if anyone asks you why are you untying it say the lord needs it And those who were sent ahead and went and found it just as he had told them So he sends them to go get a colt now a colt is uh, Be more specific is a donkey there was options of riding horses. There was options of riding different things, and Jesus specifically chose a donkey. Now, why is that that significant? One, it's significant because horses are are powerful. Horses are used in battle. They're used in war. Donkeys, which is what Jesus chose to rode in to, to ride into town on, they actually represented peace. Because if you were coming on a donkey, you were coming not to fight, not to war. You weren't coming in power and strength, but you were coming. In a sense of, of humility and peace you're extending love and care and saying i just want to connect i want to be with you so jesus chooses the donkey to ride in to town on He says, i'll take this one go get this and come in it was also prophesied many many years before by the prophet Zechariah. if you read your bible that says behold your king you know behold jerusalem your king is coming riding on a donkey so this fulfilled prophecies from hundreds and hundreds of years before and so he gets on this donkey and he's riding in And it says, as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? And they replied, The Lord needs it. So obviously, he lets them take it. It says, They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And then, if you actually read in Matthew, I'm not reading both just for time's sake, but if you go to Matthew and it's telling the story, it also adds some more detail. And they were throwing their coats on the road, and they were throwing palm branches on the road, and they were waving palm branches. So this is where Palm Sunday comes from. It's not Palm Sunday, like we're going to all high-five each other. Like, make sure this Sunday, everybody high-five, boom, boom, boom. You know, it's, that's not it. It's actually Palm Sunday because they were waving these palm branches, and they're putting them on the ground, and they're waving them as Jesus came in. It's this big celebrate celebration entrance. Any wrestling fans in here? Anybody that was a wrestling fan when you were a kid because your parents were? Okay, nobody walks into the ring just in silence, right? They all come out of the dressing room, and they come down the thing, and the music is blaring, and the lights are flashing, right? Hulk Hogan, I'm a Real American song is playing, and people are coming down the line. I remember one time my mom, this is a side note, I remember my mom, my family is big wrestling people. Okay? That's why I worked out so much. It was my dream. That's why I got like this. (laughs) This was their, so my, Hulk Hogan, who knows who Hulk Hogan is? Okay, he was retired for years. He was retired for years, gone. And we're sitting in the living room watching wrestling one time, and my dad's in the recliner, and my mom's in the other room, and all of a sudden, you hear the music. This I'm a Real American song dun, 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 starts. And my dad was in a recliner, laid back, and you never saw somebody come out of a recliner so fast. <laughs> he came flying out of that recliner. He's got his finger in the air, and he's running around the house, and he's yelling, Gina! he's back. Oh, our house was just, oh, we were celebrating. That's kind of what was happening here. It was. People thought, he's here. We're going to be saved. Everything's going to be made right. This is awesome. We got a real king. We got a real hero. He's coming. And so they're throwing their coats down. They're waving palm branches. Excitement's happening. And he's riding in. And it says in the next verse, it says, When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. They were looking and saying, God is so awesome. And he's given us Jesus, and he's going to change everything, and he's going to be the king. And Now, they were under Roman oppression. These people were under severe political oppression. A lot of them were living poor. When they made money, the tax collectors of the time would come and rob the money, not just for taxes, but they would rob the money plus, and then they would pocket some because they were paid on a split. Imagine if the IRS was just like the actual worker at the counter was paid on a split. Like, how much are my taxes? Well, how much do you have? Let's talk about it. Because they could just, whatever they got, they get 100 for the government, you know, that's what the government wanted, but if they could get you to pay 150 they could keep the 50 So that was the tax system back then. That's how they paid their tax collectors. And so all this is going on. Well, everybody's so excited thinking God's going to put all this back in order. We're going to be able to actually have free lives and to live well. And and he's going to restore to this great kingdom like we used to have way back in the days of David and all these Old Testament kings. But this time it's going to last and it's going to be permanent. And so they're so excited. They're worshiping. They're singing. they're, They're crying out. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So they're just lifting him up. And Matthew talks about saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, which just means save now. Like they're thinking, save us now. Like this is happening. This is it. We're finally going to be saved. Has anybody ever felt like, God, I need you to save me? Like not tomorrow. Save me right now. Like I need help. Help me. Help my situation. Lord, I need it. I need this help in my emotions. I need this help in my finances. I need this help in my marriage. I need this help in whatever's going on mentally. My mind's a mess and I can't untangle it. You ever had your mind feel like, you know, when somebody goes fishing and you throw the line out and then you try to reel it back in, you end up with this whole mess of, and you're spending all this time trying to figure out how to get your mind unwound, and the more you try, the worse it is. You're like, what do I do? You say, God, help me. Help me. That's what they're saying. Save us now. You know, Hosanna, blesses the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They're thinking, man, God's going to bring peace. He's going to bring wholeness. He's going to bring all these things. Now, here's what the religious leaders were doing. Okay, that's who the Pharisees are. They are religious leaders who are more tied to the kind of political side of religion, of, of running things, of having everybody give them money, of having everybody, you know, serve them, of, of watching over what everyone does, and just very much like that, and they were connected with the government, and they kind of ran it that way, and so they come out, and the Pharisees that were in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples, so they're saying, hey, they're, they're calling out for you to save them, they're, they're calling out, blessed are you, you're bringing peace, they're calling out all these things like you're going to be the great guy, you need to tell them to stop. Just rebuke them. Tell them to stop. You're not, you're not going to be their king. You need to, all of this hype that you're getting, you need to put it down and forget it. Because you're taking on glory and you're taking on a position that's not yours to take. Tell them to stop. This isn't for you. And so Jesus says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The actual stones will cry out. And say, Oh, the well, stones don't have mouths. Do you know... That in Romans, it says that the invisible attributes of God have been made known by the things that he has made. So that all men, all humanity is without excuse. Everyone can look at what is out there and say, this has been made by a master maker. Somebody made this waterfall. Somebody made these trees. Somebody made a bird to fly. There is a God that made this. The more science advances you know we thought science advanced but you know the more science advances the more that that's proven true because now the microscopes they have they can zoom in on stuff to the such deep cellular levels and they see man every little cell is like a little machine like they got little motors on them they got little things that propel them around the water like this this machine was designed somebody made this thing and so when he's saying that even the rocks will cry out, he's not talking about, we're not talking about the Muppets, and all of a sudden he's going down, and he says, hey, everybody be quiet, and all of a sudden all the rocks jump out, and they're like, hey, Jesus, they start cracking open like clamshells, <laughs> right? And the flowers and the weeds start going, Whoa, well, Jesus, we love you. That's not what he's talking about, although that would be really cool. Make a great Broadway show, wouldn't it? It'd be awesome. But he's just saying, do you know what, everyone can be silent, but creation Itself cries out that I'm here and that I'm God. It knows you can't quiet this, you can't cancel it, you can't shut it down. It is because I made it. It glorifies me. And so this is what he tells them. Now they it goes on, he just continues his ride, you know, he's just riding along, donkey. I'd love to do this one time. Just ride along and everybody's just cheering. Woo-woo. <laughs> Closest I ever got was on like a circular pony. Out in front of like a Walmart or something like that. My mom was on the side, like, woo, woo. It's as close as I ever got to this. But it was cool. Keep reading. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Now, this is the setting. He's in a setting of just glory and excitement, and everybody loves him. And he's winning. This is fantastic. He's riding along, and this is where his heart goes. Not to soaking it in and loving it all. His heart goes here. It says he wept over the city, and he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. Because he's looking at all of them, and what he's seeing is people that want him and expect him and are believing for him to rise up as king To change the culture, change the politics, change everything going on around them, the financial structure, the economy, change it all and be in charge. And a peace will come. And he can see that. He can feel that. He understands what they expect of him because he knows the history. He knows. He was taught, he was raised. He understands it all. He understands that a king is supposed to come, that that's what people believe, and he knows what the thoughts are, and he's looking at all of that, and he looks at the people, and he just starts to weep. And he's like, if only you knew, what would actually bring you peace. That same message is the same message that God brings us today. It hasn't changed. How many times have you looked at your outward circumstances, whatever they might be, and say, God, if you would just fix that, I would have peace. God, if you would just fix my husband or fix my wife, Lord, then I would have peace. Well, it might not work, but can we just try it? God, if you would just give us a little more money, I'd have peace. God, if you would just Change this, I would have peace. Anybody ever had that in their life? You know, we look to change, and we're begging God to change our environment around us. And what Jesus came to do was to change our environment. Come inside and bring some peace. the Bible says, peace that surpasses understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. You came to bring a peace that doesn't matter if you just lost your job. Doesn't matter if you just made a bad investment. Doesn't matter if you're struggling in school. Doesn't matter if you're getting canceled by friends. Doesn't matter if somebody just insulted you and tore you down. doesn't matter what the scenario is. The peace can remain. It can stay. It can be permanent because it's inside. And he's looking at people and he's understanding what they're expecting. And yet he knows it's not going to be very long, only a week until he's going to die. He knows death is on the door. And what he's looking at is the people that are so hungry for help. And that he came to help and he knows that when he comes and dies, that because their expectation is on the exterior, the environment rather than the environment, that when he dies and he's crucified, that they're all going to be disillusioned and heartbroken and devastated. And he's weeping knowing that it's happening and what's going to happen. So it goes on, he says, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground and all the children within your walls, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. He's prophesying and predicting what happened not too long after is that all of Jerusalem was overthrown. The temples were torn down. And the whole place was wiped out. He's saying, this has happened, but I, I was here and I could have brought you peace. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw this, I just did that one. Let's go back. There we go. Do I have duplicates here? Oh, I know why I'm doing this. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept. So we're just repeating this. If you had only known on this day what it would bring you peace. Is that God wants you to, to take eyes off of these outside things and just get into a place where you're really looking and saying, God, you give me peace. Where does it come from? Romans chapter 5. Paul talks about it. Now, this is after Jesus was crucified and rose again, which is what we're going to be into next week, at Easter. But this is what Paul says He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, faith in Jesus. We have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's talking about a peace. There's this this kind of brokenness in the human heart because it's been separated from the God who created them for relationship with him. And there's this brokenness that causes this constant agitation as we're out of communion with God. There's just this agitation that's always happening, restlessness. Restlessness. You know, we see it in the natural, in a small scale. We see the outworkings of it when, when a kid has a parent and they've never met their parent. Or their parent left when they were young and they never saw him. It's like their whole life can be going well. And they've done good in school, they've got off to college, they got a scholarship, they're working hard, they're doing amazing things, life is good. And yet, they say, ah, it's just, I just feel incomplete somehow disconnected and they want to go search and to find their parent and to get to know them and to have that connection and just where did I come from who am I they get into that well the human condition is the same way that we have a creator a God who made us the Bible says who fashioned us in our mother's wombs literally put us together you know the picture of this uh, knitting together that the Bible gives is fashioning and knitting and putting us together You know, it's like, well, you would need some kind of, like, thread to do that. Isn't it amazing that DNA is just this long strand? And that the Bible says that God knitted us together. Put us piece by piece together. And he knew how you were going to be. And that he knew you. So this God who made us for relationship with him is wanting to bring peace but there's this disturbance this disconnection that just brings a restlessness and an anxiety and jesus death was going to solve that problem not the problem of the culture not the problem of politics i i believe in voting it's not an anti-politic message at all they say what is your foundation on message where does your hope come from Where does your stability come from? Where does your confidence come from? Where does your peace come from? This is a peace that surpasses understanding, a peace that people are able to have and experience and live in America, in Mexico, in Canada, in China, in Korea, England, Africa, you name it, you go all around the world and there's bodies of believers serving Jesus under all different kinds of circumstances. I was in Africa and they've just got just huts and dirt floors and buckets on top of the huts where when it rains it holds the water so the water can funnel in and become house water and it's usually not enough so you got to go get more water and that's the environment, there's nothing, it's just dirt and fields and they don't have And I walk in, sit down, and talk to people, and guess what I see and experience and feel? The same peace. The same peace, the same Jesus, the same love, because it's not circumstantial. It's supernatural. It's from him. And that's why he said, I'm coming to bring this peace, but it's it's not what you're thinking. And he wept over that because that's temporary and it's isolated. It's isolated to a region, to a zone. But he said, I'm bringing a peace that can be caught in the heart and passed from person to person. There's a mask moment. The coronavirus and masks, right? We wore masks in here for a long time. There's another kind of mask. You know, Jesus is contagious. The love of God is contagious when you share it. But for that, you have to take your mask off. And I don't mean this one. I mean this one. Where life is perfect. And I'm amazing. Just ask me. (laughs) The Bible says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. When we take this mask off so that we can become contagious through transparency and share our testimony with people, people go, oh my gosh, there's, there's a peace because I'm looking at you and you have a worse job than me and you have peace. Now that I hear about how bad your health used to be and what you went through, I have hope and peace because God did that in your life. But we take this off and we just express that God is working on the inside of us and we're not perfect yet, but boy, he's changing me and bringing me peace and filling my life up with hope. And we begin to share that, and it begins to infect other people with this hope that maybe God can save me now, regardless of this environment, but he can save me now here. That's why I'm excited about April, restarting the ladies' coffees. You know, she shared a little bit last week. She went through a season of struggle, emotionally. And she's coming out of it, and God's saying, do you know what? Share from that. Not from your perfection. Share from your experience. How God loved you, met you, touched you, brought you through it, and let other people come and share and be a part of it. Because this is what Palm Sunday is talking about. It's talking about, God, save us now. We need you. He wants to do that. He just isn't going to do it the way that we wish he would do it, by fixing all of our stuff. He's going to do it by us coming to him and saying, God, save me now here in my heart, I give it to you. I give this situation to you. Lord, I give the stress of it up, God. It's heavy. I can't carry it. I can't fix it. It's yours. My dad used to take us fishing all the time, and the one thing he said is, Don't touch the pole. All the guys (laughs) kind of know what that means, and the lady's like, What? Isn't that part of fishing? Well, if you're the dad and you throw your pole in, you got five other kids, and you help them throw their poles in, and then you go over to sit down and fish, what's the next thing that happens? All the other kids, you're just about to get one, and all the other kids say, Dad, my line's stuck. Dad, I got a tangle. Help me. And you spend the whole day trying to undo their stuff, and you never get a fish. So he would take us, throw the lines in, and then he'd start to fish, and he'd look over and say, Don't, don't touch the pole, son. Don't touch the pole. Said, Dad, that's how you fish. No, patience is how you fish. Patience. Just be patient. Like seven hours later, are you sure there's still a worm on there, Dad? Be patient be patient, okay, if you move the line, it scares the fish, be patient, so that's how he would do it, Stosh knows that's not true, fishing with Stosh, man, it's cast and reel, cast and reel, right, that's how you catch a fish, but once you did get tangled, and once you did get a mess, and once you did get it, man, you could struggle, and struggle, and struggle, and try to figure it out, and try to eventually the only way that you really got back to what you're supposed to be doing, back to what the day's supposed to be about, is you finally just go over and say, Dad, it's a mess. I didn't mean to make a mess out of it. I was doing my best. I was trying to be like you. But here it is. I just need help. Anybody ever felt like that? And sometimes it's hard to be humble. Because we just, it's not out of just pride. It's out of a desire to do something good. Good for God because you love him. Good for your family because you love him. Good for somebody and you give it your best and you find out, man, I just screwed that thing up. I don't know how to fix this. I, mean, I tried to be the best parent I could. I don't know why my kid's struggling through this. I tried to be the best kid I could. I don't know why my parents are crazy. Whatever it might be, and you go through this, and the struggling, and the tiredness, and the struggling, and the tiredness. During worship, we said, we've got that word that God gave out of Hebrews where it talks about taking a new grip with your weary hands, right? Strengthening your knees. Well, how do you do that as a Christian? Working out more? No, the Bible tells us those who wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. What they didn't understand on Palm Sunday is that he was wanting them to just come and be in relationship with him and allow him to do the work himself. He was going to die on the cross. He was going to raise raise from the dead. He was going to come in and begin to work in their heart and change them. If they would just allow it. If they would just receive it, if they would just trust Him in the process, they would just come and say, "Man, Lord, we, we tried to keep the commandments. We tried to do everything right. We tried to do it good, and we got a mess." Changes, and if we're willing to do that, God is still here. He's still available. He still desires to come. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to feel foolish. You don't have to feel like a letdown. You don't have to feel like, "Man, I'm." Just come. Just come to God, Lord, this is me, all of it. He already sees it. You're not as sneaky as you think. If you've fallen in sin, you're like, well, I'm not going to pray because I'm not to tell God about it. Well, he already knows. Like you're walking in the kitchen and there's sugar on the floor and a ch- little bit of chocolate on the counters and different things. And you go and say, hey, kids, did you guys get into the cupboard? No. Parents are smarter than than that. God is infinitely smarter than parents. (laughs) God knows. He knows where you've screwed up. He knows where you've messed up. He knows where you need to get better. And he loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. And He wants to help you anyway. Amen. Amen. I've got a we're gonna close in prayer. But on that back, right by that little on that table by the offering thing, is a this is a little teeny tiny. Uh, little palm tree teeny tiny one so this is what I did I put a fishing line on all of them so they could hang like on a mirror just like a kid trying to fish I threw them all in the bag brought them to church went to take them out and all of them were tangled together <laughs> I, spent, I spent a bunch of time here this morning just cutting the strings off of them I spent an hour and a half almost two hours last night stringing them and I spent another hour this morning unstringing them <laughs> Here we go. guess I'm not a crafter. Feel free to take one. And this is the point of these, is to be a reminder, right, that as we go to God and we're asking for peace, we're asking for a help. You know, the palm branch itself specifically represented victory and goodness. That was what it was, victory and goodness. That someone good was having a win, a victory. That when we go to God, we can know that, you know what, it's his goodness in our life. It's his goodness toward our life. It's his goodness... <laughs> And how he cares and loves for us that brings a victory. And that we can rest, just like a palm tree, we can rest under that. We can rest under that knowledge and under that care. And know that God is with us. Not just for us, with us. Which is different. Amen? So feel free to grab one if you want one. You have to string it yourself. And don't send me pictures of how you did it just right, because I know I'm not the best crafter. Let's there if you want it. Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord, for uh, this uh, day, God. I thank you for this reminder of your goodness, Lord, and how you came, Lord, to seek and save the lost, God, and to change our environment, not just our environment. And, Lord, I pray that you would bring a peace to anyone that's struggling today. God, a strength to anyone who's weary today. God, a joy to anyone, Father, who's living, Lord, in the shadow of depression or discouragement today. God, we give it all to you, Lord. And we ask for your help and your love and your grace and the joy of the Lord to be our strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for being here today. I love you guys. Uh, It's been a good Sunday. Uh, Invite some people to Easter, man. People will come to church on Easter that would come on no other day. And you inviting them to Easter might get them here and that might be the day that they find relationship with Jesus. Amen. Amen.